0: Hello and welcome to Minisode 135 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things.
1: And I am Andy Stewart. Good morning, my friend. How are you? How has your week been treating you? And in fact, how has your weekend been?
0: Oh, so many questions. Uh, I am fine. Uh, My weekend has been treating me well. My week has been pretty busy like with day job things but mostly fine very much enjoying uh the chat this week from listeners which we'll get to oh, um yeah. <laughs> uh yeah everything is everything is mostly okay i'm feeling good i've watched a lot of films what about you
1: i'm okay i'm very tired uh, my son is good through some strange sleep regression thing which is draining to say the least but i'm all right i'm, I'm doing okay i'm okay. doing pretty well
0: yeah you sound pretty sprightly under the circumstances yeah thank you um so aside from uh all those matters <laughs> um what have you been watching this week
1: couple of things obviously we'll get to one of them one of them's uh obviously a nature gone wild mm-hmm, uh, Actually, not not to spoil it for anyone uh but i did jump onto the arrow video channel and check out the bloodhound okay one for you, much straight off the bat, because it's coming in at an extremely lean 72 minutes.
0: Ooh, I'm watching that this week. <laughs> You'll do anything
1: not to sit for more than 88 minutes. When <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: just perfect. Right in the sweet spot. Lovely. Yeah, barely yeah. a feature. My favourite. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, this is kind of loose retelling of Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher. Okay. A young guy played by Liam Aiken from a series of unfortunate events Right mm-hmm. Is summoned by this childhood friend to this big house in the middle of nowhere The friend's kind of ill, he's got this nondescript illness And he's kind of yeah. asked him to come along and to kind of rekindle their friendship a little bit They haven't seen each other in a decade um, right. And when they get there, it's just this constantly evolving weirdness <laughs> <laughs> from, the he, from the minute he gets there, I really, I, I thought this was really great. Uh, this is a first feature from Patrick Picard, and I really can't wait to see what he does next because this just everything about this is just really oppressive. It's it's pretty much a two person chamber piece. How how old is this?
0: Uh, just this year. Oh, nice. Okay, this sounds very much like my kind of thing.
1: Oh no, I th- I really really think you'll like it. The performances are pretty good. Uh, Liam Aiken's good in it, but he's not really given that much to do. He his job is kind of to. Just to kind of react to the absolute bonkers pal played by Joe Adler, who I think is really great in this. He's uh, I've not seen him in anything else before, as far as I can as far as I can think, but he's really great in this, and he's got a really weird face uh, <laughs> okay. that I just found myself really responding to. Yeah, if you come if you're coming into this looking for a fun experience, you won't find it here. If you're coming into this looking for kind of linear story filled with all the answers that you might be after you won't find it here either like this is a an almost inscrutable film experience okay but it's really great i thought it was brilliant cool
0: no this this definitely sounds like something that i would be into
1: i've just imdb'd it as well while i'm talking to you and it has 4.5 out of 10 which i think is extremely uncharitable because like i say i thought this was really good
0: this does sound like the kind of thing that might be off-putting to some people kind of by definition though
1: I think it, it could be that, actually. I think it's probably more that than anything else because the film looks great, the performances are good. Yeah, I, I, I can only imagine it's the fact that it's a slow-burn chamber piece with pretty much two characters that doesn't really give you any answers or feed you anything at all.
0: Yeah, that's a, that the kind of thing that might rub some people up the wrong way. So, I, yeah, I think that that might be kind of uh, a consequence of that rather than it being bad, for the sounds of it.
1: Yeah, uh, but like I say, I really enjoyed this. It's cool. on the Arrow video channel now, which I think is pretty soon... Am I right mean, in thinking it's closing down or something? They're, they're starting a, a standalone player? Uh,
0: Yeah, I think they're, they're just billing it as Arrow.
1: Right, okay.
0: Um. Yeah, I did see something about that in some of the press stuff that we've been getting this week. I actually spent some time on the Arrow video channel in its current form this week as well. Okay, what did you watch? You might have an idea, because I asked you for some recommendations this week. I basically said, I was like, right, I am sitting with the Addo video channel open in front of me. Tell me to watch something.
1: Right, okay. Uh And I did send you a couple of things, one of which was The Bloodhound, by the way.
0: Yeah, so it's quite good that I went a different way, uh, because the other thing that you suggested was Blood Rage.
1: (laughs) Yes, I did suggest you Blood Rage. Wow, okay, yeah.
0: So I did watch that, um, which for anyone that hasn't seen it, and it sounds like there might be a fair few out there. Mm. Um, This is from uh, John Gusmer and it is about a guy who, as a child, frames his identical twin brother for murder and then we jump into the future and he basically escapes from the institution where he's being held and things kind of escalate outward from there.
1: Yeah, I love Blood Rage. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a real underrated slasher.
0: I agree. I liked it a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. I think also, like when i realized what the premise was i was like there's no way this isn't going to be fun mm-hmm. and it really is also some really good effect stuff the thing i'm thinking of in particular is the twitching hand holding the beer can right yeah <laughs> uh, which um, well yeah that was my personal highlight but a lot of really good stuff in this uh yeah no i like this i like this plenty and if anybody wants to check it out it's on the arrow video channel in the uk after that, I headed to 2005. Enough people have talked about this now, kind of in the chat and in the Chudlocker and things like that, that I thought it was about time that I watched the remake a House of Wax. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw this in the cinema. Was this your first viewing of it? It was first viewing, yeah. So, uh, this was directed by Jean-Colette Serra, who also did Orphan. Right, yeah. Which I think cool. was maybe the thing that started the conversation about House of Wax um, amongst the listeners and things. So, I did go and take a look at this, and... Everyone kind of said that it was kind of trashy fun and there were some good kills in it and stuff like that. I agree with all that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I had a decent amount of fun with it for the most part. I think that it quite aggressively runs out of steam. I think that it's um, borderline criminal that this runs ten an hours and 50. <laughs> an hour and 53. Yeah, it's very, very baggy. But, um, but that being said, I mean, like, I didn't hate it for that reason. Like, I think that for the most part, it really works. And I think that it's enough of an anomaly for... Compared to all the other sl- like kinda slashers and stock and slash things that were on the go at that time. Uh-huh. And also I just like see when it's just kind of like vaguely unlikable characters getting kinda of knocked off in, in in like inventive ways with shitloads of new metal on the soundtrack. You don't know that, are you? It's just like it's very comfortable. Like see, um I think that the opening of this in very rapid succession was like Minerva by Deftones immediately followed by Prayer by Disturbed. <laughs> I don't really, like, I was like, this has a long way to fall now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've never seen this in a cinema, and to this day, the moment where Paris Hilton dies, elicited one of the most impressive reactions I've ever seen in a cinema. Really, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it was, like, people standing and cheering and clapping, which, yeah, you you don't often see in the UK. I feel that people are far more restrained in the UK than, like what we know of american audiences which i, I would imagine this hap- the same thing happened in america but certainly the screening i was at there was a lot of hooting and hollering in this i actually think the kind of the first act and a half of this kind of coming to the town and finding out that that it's all wax is really effective and really creepy
0: absolutely yeah yeah I, I think that um it's one of those films where you know like we sometimes criticize or a lot of people sometimes criticize slashers for not really doing the work in terms of characterization and stuff like that yeah mm-hmm. um and sometimes when it does do it it's like oh this also doesn't work because i hate everyone <laughs> um i think that it actually manages to avoid both of those things i think that it actually lays the groundwork for it pretty well and but by the time things kind of kick off and escalate you're kind of ready for it and it's not like this is dragon of tails i'm just kind of like i was ready for the gear switch when it happened also yeah paris hilton in this doing fine again i think uh like i say haven't seen the hottie and the naughty will not
1: (laughs) no no no, don't don't i I can't reinforce that enough don't don't watch that
0: but on the strength of this and repo no real problem with her as an actress
1: yeah i think generally the cast in house of wax is pretty great jared padalecki chad michael murray alicia cuthbot
0: yeah very much uh kind of like uh teen stars of its time for <laughs> yeah. sure um because um alicia Cuthbert had just done or this was around the time of the boy next door wasn't it or the girl next door should i say um Must have been, yeah and uh, obviously chad michael Murray was probably at his like one tree hill peak around this time as well mm. so yeah very much of its time fine like a perfectly enjoyable time capsule i thought <laughs>
1: Fine. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah, it's good.
0: A little bit newer, I did also go to Netflix this week and watch Albert Shin's uh, Disappearance at Clifton Hill.
1: Oh, right, okay, yeah.
0: Now, because I think when you don't know anything about a film, it's very difficult to tell at a glance um, on Netflix whether or not anything's going to be any good. So I hadn't necessarily had major designs on watching this, but uh, I think it was uh, Caitlin scared Mm cheapless posted her countdown from 2020 and it was in it right and i was like okay caitlin knows her stuff i'm gonna check this out so i i watched it this week on the basis of caitlin's indirect recommendation what you have here is um a woman played by tuppence middleton who most familiar to people recently from possessor right Mm -hmm. um she heads back to her hometown and takes up work at her family motel and she's there to she's not there to investigate but she kind of starts looking back into this kidnapping that she witnessed as a child when she was like seven and that's how the film opens actually with her like age seven witnessing this kidnapping and it looks really cool and it plays out really well and it takes like six or seven minutes and it's really effective and really scary and yeah it's basically her kind of like looking back into this as an adult right it's also got david cronenberg in it as a a true crime podcaster (laughs) he's great as well but um i i thought this was really really good pretty unusual, very slow-burning, kind of doesn't necessarily, not to spoiler it—but it a bit, doesn't necessarily slap an identifiable human face on the mystery come the end of it, but
1: right.
0: does a lot of really cool stuff, and doesn't really put much of a foot wrong, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I thought this was really good, actually. I kind of got slight neon demon vibes at the start just because of the very synthy score and the kind of smoky motel thing but it's not that but that was kind of the first thing that called to mind for me right. um but it goes into a more straight mystery kind of like after the setup but i thought this was really cool and i think that it's the kind of thing that because there's loads of things on netflix with weird long titles about mysteries
1: <laughs>
0: it would be quite easy for this to fly under people's radars but don't let it kind of make a point of checking this out if you Kind of, if you don't mind something, maybe not answering all of its questions, and you can commit to a wee slow burn, then I would say that this is worth your time. Wonderful. So, you did mention earlier that nature had been going wild again.
1: Yeah, and I did promise we would return to land uh, last week we were in the sea again with Orca.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now
1: on land for another giant snake film, really. Okay. The not at all mysteriously titled Python.
0: Yes, okay, that does not leave a great deal to the imagination, ref, which which part of nature is going wild this week. No,
1: no, 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 it is, uh, it is about another giant snake here, <laughs> a really quite giant snake. What I have to say straight off the bat, uh fundamental misunderstanding of the python as a creature. Okay. But what we have here is we have a plane crash early on in the film. The plane is transporting this abnormally large snake, genetically engineered, of course, just like just about every large snake that we've seen recently in anything that we've watched together or separate. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. The plane comes down and obviously immediately the chase is on. We have to stop this snake. This is a risk. It's out in the world and it needs to be stopped. Quick word on the cast here. Quite impressive. Robert right. England, Casper Van Dien, Will Wheaton's in here, Jenny McCarthy, Sean Whelan from People Under the Stairs, uh, William Zabka from Cobra
0: Kai in okay. here as mm-hmm. well. Good cast. Not a good film. I was about to ask when this was from, but you've kind of, I think, answered that for me with the cast list there. What would you, what, what would be your prediction there? Uh, like late 90s, early noughties? 2000. Okay, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I'll take a point for that. Uh, yeah, this isn't a good film at
1: all. Like, The Snake... Just looks terrible at all times. The cast are doing fine. That's actually probably the film's greatest strength is the cast here. But uh yeah, it's it's not good at all. This is on Amazon Prime by the way, if anyone wants to watch it. Fucking <laughs> where else? I know, I know. worth it alone just for Robert England here. He's he's doing his standard. He's mugging it off all over the place. In fact, he has a he has a line here where he kind of describes the snake. It's kind of like uh, some of the stuff out of Jaws. It's like it's essentially Hooper's chat from Jaws. But he says, uh, and I quote, "It's not some garden snake you're going after." We're talking about a perfect killing machine. A 129-foot all-terrain vehicle, capable of speeds exceeding 50 miles an hour, with skin that can deflect an anti-tank ground, enhanced night vision, and a voracious appetite for human flesh. Wow. Wow. Uh, Now, if that was the tagline, I would want to watch it immediately, (laughs) but it isn't.
0: If that was the tagline, it wouldn't fit on the
1: poster. (laughs) (laughs) It would if it was one of those posters that was just text. You know, sometimes you get posters where the title's like at the bottom, and the rest of it's just review quotes. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I know that. It would work in that form. I suppose. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Once you actually sat down and watched the film, I think you would realise pretty quickly that it's, uh, in fact, quite shite.
0: <laughs> well, good. <laughs> okay, so uh, not not a great turn of fortunes for Nature Gone Wild this week.
1: No, 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 no. That this is a real mixed bag of stuff, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it does. It's, it seems like it has been um, it has been um, a quest full of curveballs so far. Yeah, I'm still accepting recommendations, by the way. Oh yeah, always, definitely. Yeah, yeah. This is an mm-hmm. interactive process. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. Thank you. So. Do so... do 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 do. What have they been saying?
0: A shitload about Return to odds. That's what they've been saying this week on feedback. Holy shit! Yeah. Wow. Massive amounts. So huge thank you to the writer and star of Double Date, Mr. Danny Morgan, for joining us this week. We all had a great time. It seems like you guys enjoyed it as well. Yeah, can I just say, by the way,
1: huge, huge love to Danny. I think Danny responded to every single tweet that in any way included him and was about either Return to Oz or Double Date.
0: Yeah, because what was cool actually was a few of you did say that you went and checked out Double Date after the conversation as well, which is always nice to hear. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah fair play like anything Danny had visibility of he got back to people which I thought was pretty cool yeah that's admirable now uh, a whole load of people getting in touch with their thoughts both on the film as a child and mm-hmm. with their experiences now uh, Fee Bunny Carpenter is God on Twitter uh, Brain is all over the shop so revisiting this is surely going to make me feel better <laughs> That and I'll be set for the next Strong Violent PC episode. She was holding up what looks like a DVD copy of Return to Oz. Um, This was not the master plan it appeared to be. She got back a little bit later saying, I may be too fragile for this. I'm already getting freaked out by the blinking rocks. I'll be a shell of my former self by the time the wheelers arrive.
1: I did see that Fee Bunny this week was under the impression that she may have had COVID and was tested as such, but I believe it came back negative, so I can see why that might have been playing on her mind a little bit.
0: Oh, jings. Right, okay, well, very glad that it wasn't that, and uh, yeah. I hope that you've recovered from a, what might have been an ill-timed return to Oz. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Dave Shakes, the Shakes72 on Twitter, who's kind of re the thread lately, which has been nice. Yeah, yeah, welcome back. Um, enjoying the strong violent pc return to oz episode so far wondering if they'll know that blue peter presenter peter duncan played tiktok and there was a whole blue peter making of episode where they showed how the wheelers work uh the circus comment also accurate apparently real circus performers were used for those roles now we did have a few pieces of trivia about tiktok actually yeah have you got it all there uh well stevie got in touch and said you may need to sit down for this Uh, i'm Uh, sitting down the actor tim rose who plays tiktok in return to oz i believe this is a voice acting situation also played howard the duck wow admiral akbar and was also in the dark crystal Jeez, oh so there you go uh so stevie coming in with some high caliber trivia there and shakes as well
1: yeah that's pretty great stuff funny you mentioned the dark crystal there uh pre- actually presumably this was following on to this like off the same thread of what you just mentioned maybe not um but kim morrison at wicked sister 69 said i never saw this as a kid referring to return to oz so feel like I missed out on the hype. But Dark Crystal used to scare the shit out of me, so I totally get it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, Harry underscore Ray getting in touch as well to say, I only saw this as an adult too. I feel like we've been robbed of some childhood scares. Th- those scares will permeate into your adulthood with a turn to yours. Don't, don't worry about that.
0: Yeah, they'll, they'll still be here when you grow up. <laughs> A few more on facebook paul downey so many thoughts on this nightmare fuel uh ross McIntyre. those wheeler things were possibly the first thing i ever saw on tv that scared the crap out of me also want to say hello to uh sarah eisel who uh joined the chud locker group i think she found us through evolution of horror and um their group chat on facebook uh-huh. mm-hmm. she's been like starting some really fun conversations and stuff in the locker
1: lately mm-hmm. cool. but i uh, got in touch yes. with
0: some thoughts here Piper Laurie gave me the creeps as a kid. Of course, I first saw her in the Twilight Zone, 85-86, Carrie, Return to Oz, Twin Peaks. You could say my suspicions were earned. Years later, I learned that we were born in the same hospital in the same city, several decades apart.
1: Wow!
0: That's pretty cool. Uh,
1: I've got one from Sarah as well, still talking about Return to Oz. Uh, Another excellent episode as always, thank you. My first rewatch of the movie since I was about eight. I can't believe I forgot how incredibly weird and not child-friendly this movie is. (laughs) Uh, It is not child-friendly. That... this should be you know you know like back in the day when porn magazines used to come in a like a plastic bag.
0: Oh uh, yeah, like with the with a big kind of like uh the big kinda the big brown kind of covering of the whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel that like Return to Oz should be sold in those. If you're gonna put it in the ch- the children's
0: section. Uh uh-huh, Yeah, it's certainly some kind of content warning, I would say. <laughs> On the episode itself, we had Laura Ashley carter Davison LAC on Twitter. Very funny. I would live-tweet this episode, but I'd get muted to Oz. Also got uh, Laura by LV. Uh, interesting to hear about Return to Oz this week. I know I saw it as a big family video rental, but remember nothing. Wonder if it'll come flooding back. I bet it did. Mm. Yeah. Chris Skelp. first watch for me, was quite horrified by
1: the first act. Couldn't believe it was a kid's movie. Entertaining episode, and glad that Danny got his therapy voltage-free. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that we managed to unpick a few knots in Danny's psyche with that episode. I've got so
1: much Return to Oz stuff left, Mitch. So a chunky one here from Stephen Wales on Mm -hmm. Return to Oz. Uh, Like Andy, I remember seeing this at the cinema when I was six and enjoyed it so much I got the novelisation. It's one of those films I've found to be criminally underseen and does tend to split opinion because it's so much darker than the other Oz movie. It's also from a time when Disney had some balls when it came to movies. See also 1979's The Black Hole, and weren't afraid to make films that were a little more challenging for kids or higher actors, like the notorious Nicol Williamson, uh, who played the Gnome King. Also from Hamilton, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Who is great in this. Uh, I look forward to the episode, but rather than a rewatch, I'll maybe give it a re read. Oh, okay. Easy there, college boy. Well, I really like novelizations, right? You know that. Novelizations are films. They tend to take a lot more liberties with the storyline and sure. they, they get a bit creative, they tend to add in stuff that is not even in like hinted at. Like, obviously, we'd, we've previously discussed the Jaws of Revenge one, where mm-hmm. the shark is powered by voodoo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> like I would really be keen to read the Return to Oz novelization and see what's different in there and uh, how much darker it is.
0: Oh, God, it'll probably have the details of the Scarecrow's bloodless queue and everything. yeah. Uh Gorhound saw this in the cinema in Oxbridge, age ten and walked home after through West Drayton, Danny, uh, trying to get the fucking wheelers out of my mind. And then pointed out that his old pal Horebus gets also on Twitter addressed as uh the witch for his fortieth fancy dress party.
1: Uh, I did see a comment coming off the back of that, slapping him down because he referred to Princess Mombe as a witch.
0: Yeah, that's true actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, fair point. Uh last thing on Return to Oz. Hayley Alice Roberts got in touch to say, I rewatched it fairly recently. We screened it as part of a Halloween Disney watch party last year. My friend's seven year old saw it for the first time. There were tears, but we were so proud that she watched it all the way through. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) <laughs> we were so proud that she watched it all the way through, even though she was tied to a chair like Alex at the end, of clockwork orange with her eyes propped open.
0: <laughs> Danny actually uh, jumped in on this thread and said that that was bordering and child abuse. Yeah, I want to touch on a couple of things very quickly about the Patreon stuff we did this week. We did do an Irredeemables episode on the Flatliners remake, which we both kind of settled on being not great.
1: <laughs> that's that's fair
0: uh, Stephen Whale said I can't believe you put yourself through this uh, Rob Thorpe also said I'm sure I've seen this but I can't remember a single thing about it which uh, is fair enough, I'd started forgetting it before it had ended
1: Dan Popomatic got in touch on Twitter about the Flatliners episode that we did saying me a few months ago I know it's a remake but it's a horror film with Elliot Page in it so I'll give it a go me 110 minutes later I now hate all films <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then he went on to just expand a little bit saying I guess it's just a bit dull really and I exaggerate for comedic effect but it's a good choice for an irredeemable
0: yeah I I think so and I think that I probably do a little bit of exaggerating for comic effect as well every now and again so I'm not going to judge you too harshly for that we put a question out this week asking which TV or film duo best reflected our dynamic oh god yeah I just want to say that we were, by turns, like through a whole bunch of people, Dennis, Kean, uh, James Duffy, Sheridan Knott, a bunch of people got in touch saying, by turns, uh, Luke and Chewbacca, sure. uh, Rick and Morty, Turner and Hooch, um, Chucky and Andy, Woody and Buzz, uh, the duo from Split Second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, perhaps more problematically, the duo from Dead Heat of Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that seemed to spark everybody's imagination. So thank you for that. I want to wrap up with one thing very quickly from uh, Catherine Mazer, uh-huh. who got in touch saying that she had watched The Beach House All right, okay. on uh, Shudder, mm-hmm. and she said that the general opinion on it that she'd come across seemed to kind of not be keen on it at all, and I said in the chat that I was fairly confident that you quite liked it. Was that right? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I just, I just, I basically just wanted to check in because a couple of people had said they liked it too. But I remember you talked about it, and I thought that you were quite into it.
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah, I talked
0: about it on the show. Yeah, I remember. I just kind of wanted to let Catherine know that she wasn't alone in the world.
1: That's nice of you, Mitch.
0: Yeah, you know. So, that's it for feedback, I think, unless you've got anything else I don't know about. I don't know. Oh, well, in that case. It's Mitch's
1: Pigeons.
0: Ooh, okay, it's once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline, any other identifying text. He will have left only the image. It will fall to me to describe it to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis. So last week we had Dr. Giggles.
1: We did, yeah.
0: <laughs> which uh, was reappropriated by me as Deathscope House Call from Hell. Elsewhere, Hani underscore Ray on Twitter, when Doctor Despicable wakes to find himself an inmate at a home for the criminally insane and with no memory of the heinous act he's accused of, he attempts to prove his innocence by going on a killing spree. It's the unspeakable acts of Doctor Spickable. The Doctor is in. Sane. Oh. <laughs> Ricky Munga, It has gone too far for Bruce Day in day out he sees the community he once loved Turned into a vile uneducated wasteland Due to the fact that some fake news told everyone That the government is trying to control the populace By getting them to be more mindful of others during a time of crisis <laughs> They were asked for one thing Wear a mask However a group of anti-maskers have started their propaganda machines And spread vile misinformation across the town Which has left Bruce to be the only one still wearing his PPE What is he to do? How can he help his fellow man? By correcting his enemy. This thing yeah. you will shout, scream, and you'll bleed as you experience the PPE slasher. Wow, okay Uh Uh Now a couple of people did go down uh, this road actually But um, also on Facebook uh, Mark Davies just correctly identifying it as Dr. Giggles So always good when people do that Uh, James Rodriguez After a miscommunication with a patient Gynecologist Dr. Flap Explorer has lost his job (laughs) Done with feeling a right twat He turns (laughs) up at the patient's house seeking revenge Starring Jason Isaacs in an early role It's 1993's OBG Diane (laughs) Fuck off Laura Bynens, see what happens at the unaccredited vaccination station of Doctor I Balls in the counterfeit Corona jab and stab, coming to unspecified dates to different parts of the country in 2021. <laughs> Tony Constantine, lockdown takes a surprisingly sexy turn for single surgeon Doctor Stephen Selby when he falls in love with a six-year-old packet of square sausage in 2020's Selby Date Two, Lovelorn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. Right, okay. Um, C.P. Buckley, when child Dr. T. O'Chim Young, Christ, is arrested for performing illegal back-alley surgeries after a police sting operation... Not what I was
1: expecting him to be arrested for.
0: (laughs) True. Um, He vows revenge on the people who tricked him. 20 years later, Young is released and goes on a murderous killing spree ending in the house he was captured in. When he gets there, though, he finds a new family has moved in. Instead of killing them outright, he decides to toy with them, setting up traps in the house. However, the resourceful family manage to evade the traps and Dr. Young escapes. A year later, he returns, but this time the family are turning the tables and are hunting him. It's Gone Gonzo Horror, The Family Hunt. Right, okay. <laughs> this killer doesn't know what he's in for. And finally, Kinnell, Following his dismissal for organ theft from Warehouse Space with Minimal Set Design Hospital, embittered surgeon Henry Elmtree, MD, <laughs> uses an ancient curse on a shipping of surgical masks, causing anyone who wears one to go on a bloody rampage in 1990 Empire Pictures slasher PP Evil.
1: Ah, okay. Good. Good stuff. Ask a lot for this week. Uh, best character name to James for Flap Explorer. Lovely. And best pitch to Kinnell
0: lovely okay so uh, james and cannell you are this week's winners big well done yep nothing on the way to you absolutely so what you got for me today uh are you ready mm-hmm. here we go oh wow okay right great stuff Happy with this. Okay, so there is a border to this image, which is delightful. I haven't had that in a while. Um, The border is red with a white trim, or possibly white with a red trim, depending on your attitude. I don't know. The red's thinner. We have got here a white background um, in which we can see what looks like kind of old houses and some bats. And also we have a mustachioed man in a top hat and overcoat and a woman in a long white gown with a blue kind of like fabric belt and long dark-coloured hair. this is a
1: this is a black and white image
0: yeah i'm, I'm speculating a little bit <laughs> i'm colorizing it with my mind um they're holding a long wooden stick between the two of them Mitch, for fuck's sake it's a cross look Open oh it's a eyes. cross sorry yeah oh, so it is god i should have spotted that yeah no that's that okay yeah no i'll take the hit for that i um, the two long
1: wooden sticks strapped together in a cross-like fashion.
0: <coughs> I don't know if there's a word for that. In the foreground of the image, we have a woman in a state of some distress. She mm. is uh, wearing a dark-coloured, uh, kind of strappy top. She is being, like, thrown forward by a Grim Reaper-style hooded figure. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's literally all we can say about him or her. They have got a long, flowing black gown on, and their face is completely obscured. She is in a state of some distress. However, help may be at hand. Behind the Grim Reaper, there is a man lurching forth, uh, wearing tights. <laughs> boots, uh, what looks like a kind of button-up sleeveless shirt or waistcoat, and um, a light-coloured ruffled shirt. He's holding a bladed now, weapon in his right hand, and possibly a wooden stake in his left hand.
1: Uh, I can tell you, because I had to remove part of the left-hand item to remove some text there,
0: but I can tell you that it was a sword. It's a sword. Okay, right. Okay. Thank you for that. And he's also wearing a long, flowing, dark-coloured cape. So there you go. Uh, two cross-bearing villagers look on amidst buildings and bats, while the Grim Reaper is potentially thwarted by a weapon-wielding caped Avenger.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, right. I, I, I have a really stupid idea for this, so um, I'll need a minute. Okay. This is a good one, I like it Yeah, you like this one? <laughs> yeah, I do I'm looking forward to seeing what people come up with I think it's going to be a good one
1: The, the character, the central character certainly in this image appears to have borrowed the Burt Ward's costume from the 60s Batman series
0: uh, Yeah, it's really something that, isn't it? Yeah, I have, I, have, um, I have something else in mind that I'm going to include Right,
1: okay um, Another yeah, comparator yeah.
0: point but, um, Do you have,
1: do you have any, uh, any idea what this is? Not
0: really, okay. I wouldn't say. No, I, I I. don't think I could even speculate. Um. Right. But do you, th- do you think that it's one that people will recognise en masse?
1: Uh, I think some people will certainly get it right away. Yeah. Okay. Mm. How are you going over there?
0: Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Okay, let's do this. Failing author Trusty Quill is in dire straits. His books aren't selling, his celebrity status is long past its prime, and after a string of affairs and a long history of drug abuse and gambling, he's massively in debt to some highly suspect individuals. At a final bid for survival, he makes a deal with the devil for his latest book, Murderous Came the Murderer, to restore him to his former glory. Despite being riddled with poorly sketched characters, clunky exposition, and glaring plot holes, Murderous Came the Murderer sells 27 million copies worldwide, and Trusty is soon back to the lifestyle in which he's become accustomed. However, there's a catch. In exchange for his enormous wealth and success, upon Trusty's death, he must live out his days as the Grim Reaper. As he dies of a cocaine-fueled sex heart attack, age 54, his watch begins. He quickly adapts to his new normal, however there are some debts that cannot be repaid. After a string of torrid love affairs, Trusty ultimately left his first wife, Illuma, in a storm of revelations and public humiliation. Having taken out a hit on Trusty in a fit of vengeance, death won't stop Trusty from dying all over again, as determined hitman and famed Robin Hood cosplayer Chip Haxum resolves to see out his charge no matter what the cost. Death stalks the living and Chip stalks death in 1977's derivative and confusing B movie Gorefest, Grimception Hell Hath No Fury Like a Luma Scorned. <sighs> okay. Some pretty heavy extrapolation going on there. Yeah, how do you think that went? I'm going to hazard a guess quite poorly. <laughs> What year did you say? Um, I said seventy
1: seven. Oh, well, you're not a million miles out. Nineteen seventy four. Okay, that's not so
0: bad. Okay, uh, so what is it really? The film, and I'm sure you'll have heard of this one, mm-hmm. is Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter. You know what, that's wild. I was genuinely gonna guess that. Really? I was genuinely gonna guess that, and the only reason that I didn't is because the guy did because what was being hunted didn't look like a vampire. It looked like a, a Grim Reaper. It looked like yeah. a Grim Reaper. That's genuinely the only reason that I didn't guess that it was Captain corona's Vampire Hunter.
1: If you'd have looked closely at the man's waistcoat, <laughs> I can't think what else you would call oh, it. Oh, there's right. a K on it. Mm. <laughs> for fuck's yeah. sake. There you go. Missed out of your description
0: there. Yes, it's true actually. Yeah, yeah. Glaring oversight on many levels. So, uh, you got a synopsis for me? I do,
1: we're hopping onto IMDB, as always, and we're heading over to Doug
0: Sederberg. Okay, lay on me, Doug.
1: Vampire hunter and expert swordsman, Kronos, finds himself in a small village where several of the local young women have been found in an advanced state of age, their youth drained from them by a vampire's kiss. Kronos' <laughs> search leads him to the Durward estate, where he is met by the effete children of the apparently <laughs> aged and sick Lady Durward.
0: Tremendous I think that this is generally considered to be quite good isn't it? Uh, It's good It's also on shut-on. I had a feeling it maybe was I I think it was maybe on our streaming platforms chat um, a while ago That concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week so uh, get your entries in yeah fire away through all the user channels following the footsteps of uh, James and Canel see if you can win yourself something this week or more to the point win yourself nothing mm-hmm. however turning our attentions to the streaming platforms this week then a few things nothing on Shudder but it bears mentioning that Shudder have just announced that they've got 11 films premiering in 11 weeks yeah yeah I saw that and some of them are absolutely incredible Yeah, there's some stuff that we really love on there and some stuff that I'm really excited to see. So, uh, yeah, we'll have some more information on that in the coming weeks. Amazon Prime, Friday 22nd. I've been wanting to see this one for a little while, actually. Directed by Dave Franco, it's The Rental. Uh, Starring Alison Brie and Dan Stevens, two couples on an Oceanside getaway grow suspicious that the host of their seemingly perfect rental house may be spying on them. Over at Now TV then, Tuesday 19th, we have got a Volition. A clairvoyant tries to change his dark fate when he sees a vision of his own imminent murder. Netflix, we have got a couple of things here. On Wednesday, we've got Sightless, a former violinist, grows suspicious of the new people in her life and their alarming behaviour as she recovers from an assault that left her blind.
1: Fuck's sake, okay.
0: And on Sunday the 24th, my shout, I think, potentially for the pick of the bunch, happy death day to you. Ah, lovely. After surviving her death day countless times, a woman is once again caught in a time loop, but her friends are now victims alongside her. This expands on the first one really nicely. It's really entertaining. I like this quite a bit. So of the stuff that I've seen, I would recommend Happy Death Day to you, because I guess by process of elimination, because of the four, it's the only one I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but also super curious about the rental this week. Yeah, I I only watched
1: Happy Death Day to you not that long ago, actually. I'm surprised I didn't mention
0: it on the show. But uh, yeah, I would recommend that too. Yep, good fun. So, turn our attentions to this week's show, and once again, we've got a guest. Yeah, we do. He is the writer of such films as Tales of Poe, also Flesh for the Inferno, and uh, he was one of the writers on the anthology Death It's Michael Verratti.
1: I'm really excited about this one.
0: Yeah, we've been uh, kind of working away over the last couple of weeks to get Michael on the show, and yeah, this week he is stepping up, and what has he chosen?
1: <laughs> well, the film he's chosen is hailing from the crazy days of 1988. Mm hmm. Featuring an early turn from everyone's favourite grey-haired heartthrob, George Clooney. Lovely. It's Return of the Killer Tomatoes.
0: Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Now, if you want to get a hold of this, then you can get it on the Arrow Video channel in the UK, and it's rentable elsewhere, I believe.
1: By the way, that's also if you're not from the UK, maybe you're from America. That's Return of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> Just for the avoidance of
0: doubt. Just effortlessly navigating that cultural language barrier there, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> So Michael Verratti joins us this week to discuss Return of the Killer Tomatoes. How are you feeling about that? Get in touch with us through all the usual channels, Facebook and Instagram or Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at StrongViolentPC. You can email StrongLanguageViolentScenes at gmail.com and you can join the conversation over on the Facebook group, The Chud Locker.
1: Yes, and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes uh, We have a review episode coming this week, so uh, keep your eyes peeled for that, patrons.
0: We sure do, looking forward to that. One I've been meaning to get to for a little while so looking forward to having an excuse to do that mm. However, we are back in your main feeds this Friday, talking Return of the Killer Tomatoes with Michael Verratti. Join us then if you can In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye
1: Automatoes tomatoes